today I want to preach on this thought, uh, grow in grace. And we're going to take our thought this morning. I really would like to take time and read the whole of chapter number three, but I'm going to kind of give you some homework and, and ask you, if you will, to read through uh, it's really only three chapters, so I encourage you to read through the whole whole book of Second Peter. But if you can read through at least chapter number three, I think it'll help you uh, to understand where we're coming from. Now, I'll probably give you some pointers along the way, but I do want to start reading uh, probably in verse number fourteen this morning, Second Peter chapter three, verse fourteen. It says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things. Now, this such things brings up. What are these things? Okay, so that's why we need to read the, the previous verses. He says, Be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. Well, the first question comes up outside of the message is how are we to do that? How are we to be found in peace? without spot and blameless. Well, that's the purpose of the the thoughts on my heart today uh, because there's some things that we need to do. Now, I realize that there's several of you that have been here. Well, today, I think there's only one of you that have been here since day one of the church, and that's Brother David. But probably outside of that, Brother Jim um, is probably the oldest, not the oldest by age, but the whatever. He's been here the longest. And then I don't know if it's Miss Denisha or, or, or who. Um, but so I know that there's some of you that have been here for years upon years. So that, that's not lost on me. And you've been under Brother Dent for 30, 35 years. Okay. You've been, and, and I'll say this, happy anniversary to all of us for five years together. And y'all ain't run me off. And I don't think I've run y'all off. And so that's a blessing. Now some have, have abandoned us, and I, I really do think that that probably was by God's design. If you want to know more about that, I'll let you know. But um, some have had to leave because of their health. I looked, at, I don't know why I'm saying this, but looked at the calendar, and Sister Mildred's birthday is on there. And as far as I'm concerned, she never did join the church, but she's one of us. Uh, anytime I talk to Sister Mildred, Pastor... And uh, so I just love her, and so you be you be praying about Sister Mildred and uh, others that can't be here. Sister Cheryl as well. She's she's uh, she's still struggling with her health or her back and all kinds of things. But but still, um, I, I understand that that you have been here for so long, and God has blessed you. And so when I say that you need to grow in maturity, I'm not saying that you are immature. But what I am saying is that every single one of us need to, I, I was reading just a little bit ago, sitting right here, I believe it was Alexander McClare, and he said that, that one, or maybe it was A.T. Robertson said that the, the idea of grow in grace in verse number 18 is not to grow once and to end, but it's a picture of a tree. That tree continues to grow. And something that that tree does is, it grows, but what happens to that tree, Brother David? It starts sprouting one way or the other. If it's not going up, it's going out. If it if it's not going out where you could see it, it's going out where its foundation is getting broader or getting deeper. And so that is Peter's idea of grace. So as I'm saying that we need to have spiritual maturity, I'm not beating you over the head this morning, but if that's where the Lord leads me, then wear a hard hat. 
But what I am saying today is every one of us need to continually grow in grace so that we can't... I ain't even got to our text verse, have I? No, we haven't. So I just gave it away. Our text verse is verse number 18. All right? But before we ever get there, we've got to present ourselves to God. He says, in peace, without spot, and blameless. But then, in verse number 18, it says, an account, or consider, understand, and I love this, that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. You want to know what the long-suffering of the Lord is? When we look back and we read verse number 9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, some men count slack, but His long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So the question is, what is the long-suffering of the Lord? It is salvation. That, so he answers that the, the, the long suffering is salvation. He said, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest. And so my heart today is that we are not unlearned and that we are not unstable. And that we do not wrestle, that's this word rest, that we are not wrestling with the things that we should believe, okay? He says, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. We can, we can allow religion to, to, um, to be our downfall, but the scripture and the understanding of the scripture should never be our downfall. It should tear us down, but it will also and always build us up. If we'll allow the Scripture of the, the, the Word of God to tear us down, that same Scripture will build us up to where we need to be. Can somebody help me on this first Sunday morning of, Janu- of January? But then we see, I, I still am not used to these glasses. I can't see with or without them. Where are we at? Somebody help me. Verse number 17, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So now we look at our our text here and we see verse number 18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As far as introduction, I'll try to go through this as quickly as possible. We understand that any life, even the Christian life, is going to begin with a birth. When, I don't know where he is, maybe he's outside somewhere, but when Luke was born, when his life began, it started with, well, truthfully, it started with a conception. But when he began to breathe this air, it started with that birth. When a Christian begins his Christian life, it starts with him being born again. 
When we receive Christ, we are born again in John 1, 12 and 13. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so we see that receiving Christ is that being born again. So there is a new life there. What separates the gospel, though, receiving the good news of Jesus Christ from religion, is religion is man's effort to reach up to God, but the gospel is God coming down to man and making man a new creature or a creation. You see, man has for centuries, may I dare say millennia, tried to reach up to God in religion religion, but they always fall short. But God, and through the gospel and through His plan, has made a way for Him to come down. We see this from the very beginning. What happened in the garden? God came down and walked with Adam in the cool of the day. And so He fellowshiped with man then. We find throughout Scripture, uh, you go to Genesis, what is it, chapter 11 or 12, when God began to fellowship with Abraham. And you go on and you go on and you find God fellowshipping with man. In Exodus, you find God uh, uh, delivering uh, His people from, from bondage and from Egypt. And what did He do? He set up a tabernacle so He can do what? Kurt, holler it out. Dwell with them. And so in, 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 in the, the definition of the gospel, it's God's desire to come to man to make him a new creature. And so that's the difference between religion and the gospel. And after this new birth from trusting in the gospel, uh, this person that, that is born again must grow. They must grow. I mentioned Luke. Uh, we could, we could talk about any one of us. If that child, that infant stays an infant, stays that same size, and just say a year goes by and they're still in a, in a newborn outfit, then there's something wrong. There's a concern. There's doctors writing papers that this baby is 12 months old and it's no bigger than the day that it was delivered. What's sad today is in the spiritual realm, there are so many Christians that are still newborn because they are not given what they need to grow, but they are not getting what they need to grow. I believe it was Brother Samuel in Sunday school this morning and he was talking about that prodigal son and that father and the other son. And he mentioned this, and it's, it's applicable here. He said that that other son complained about not receiving so much as a kid, let alone the fatted calf. And, and the father said, everything that I have is yours. That calf is yours, but that kid is yours for the taking. He said, it's already yours if you want it. Can I say today, everything that you need to grow is already yours. You've just got to Get it? If you wait until Sunday to grow, honey, you're backing up. If you wait until Wednesday, and I'm about to get me, you look around this morning and you see somebody starting a new year off. All right, ain't they? 
Because there's a heap of empty seats in this place this morning. But listen, when I got saved, God put in me a desire to be in His house. And if we're going to wait until we get in God's house to grow, then we're backing up. If we're going to wait to get in God's house to build a relationship with Him, then we're not going to grow. There's six hours between my parents and I. And I try my best to stay in communication with them. So that when I get there, there's that, there's not that awkward silence. Because there's been no communication. I don't want to spend all week without talking to God and Him talking to me. And then get in the church and say, okay, what, what should I do first? Should I pray first? Should I give first? Maybe if I give, He'll want to talk to me. Maybe if I pray first, He'll, He'll feel like blessing me. Maybe if I sing a song, no, 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 no. No. You ought to come to church. You ought to come to the house of God ready, already ready to worship God. We really should not have to come here to get ready to worship God. So after birth comes growth, and, and I'm trying to hurry, I'm still in this, this introduction. Every baby that's born, every baby that I've seen that's born, he gets passed around. And you hear, oh, he's getting so big. Oh, she's getting so long. Look at her, she's so long. You know what's happening? That baby's growing. You can, you can, you can see a baby on one day and go a week or so without seeing it. And then you, and it looks like that baby has grown so much. We've witnessed that through our lives. We need to be witnessing that amongst one another. Through our Bible reading, through our prayer lives, through our studying. And, the, and, and I just went through how to study the Bible a few months ago. There should be more to our Christian life than just reading the Bible. It should be more than that. At the doctor visits, Kurt, you and Lee are doing this. At the doctor visits, when you go, they wrap that thing around their head. They put that baby down on that plastic or that paper and they, they mark their head and they mark the foot and then they put that tape measure. That's the way they used to do it. I don't know if they still do that or not. That might be in the way antique days. They measure that thing to see how long that baby was. They put that baby in that little cattle trough and they figure out how much that baby weighs. The reason they want to make sure it's growing. If you got a little chunky baby, they said, now it's, it's in the, it's way on up in the percentile. If you got a little skinny, scrawny baby, they said, well, you'll need to feed this baby a little bit more. We need to grow. He says specifically, but grow in grace. Number one, what is growth in grace? Number one, I'm going to go as fast as I can. Number one, what is growth in grace? Well, let's look first of all, what it is not. Growing in grace is not becoming more saved than you were when you first got saved. 
That's not. When you got saved, that's as much saved as you is that that you'll ever be. You are utterly and completely and forevermore saved. It is also not becoming more pardoned. It is when when God pardoned you from your sin, He is not going to say, "I'm going to pardon you and pardon you and pardon you and pardon you," just in case. But what He does is He pardoned you for your sin, and then listen. If you sin again, God will pardon you again. So, growing in grace is not becoming more pardoned than you were when you got saved. And then also, it is not becoming more justified than the time that you first got saved. When you got saved, you were pardoned, you were justified, and you were saved. But there's more to salvation than that. So what Christian growth is? J.C. Ryle said this, When I speak of growth in grace, I mean increase in the degree, size, strength, vigor, and power of the graces which the Holy Spirit plants in a believer's heart. He says it's an increase in the degree, size, strength, vigor, and power. I hate to be distracted this morning, and I'm not being mean. Brother Eric, would you care to check on little man? Has he come in yet? Okay. Would you care to? I'm not. I promise, I'm not being mean. I assure you. If I was, I'd I'd have let you know. <clears throat> I worry when they're back there by themselves. He says, J.C. Ryle says, I want you to grow. In these areas, I need you to grow in knowledge, in strength, in vigor. You know, we, we have, we have a, a, a Luke at the house and, and we've noticed, you know, before when, when you, when you, when you try to put him on his stomach, he, he, he couldn't lift his head up. He'd, he'd sit there and his head just kind of bob on his stomach. Is it now he can about lift it, lift it all the way up, and and now he's turning over, and and Leah sent a picture the other day, and he's near about sitting up all by himself, and and he's growing in his strength. You pick him up by his by his by his chest or whatever, and he he starts bouncing up and down. He's his legs are becoming strengthened. So through all of those things, what's happening is he is growing. In his size, he is growing. In his power, he is growing. Here's something that parents don't like. In their vigor, they are growing. Because in their vigor for a child, they are getting more energy. And they don't sleep like they used to sleep. Sometimes they sleep more than they used to sleep. Because they they wear themselves out. Benny, it looks like he's plumb wore out. He's out of vigor this morning. But Christians, you and I need to be growing in these aspects of our lives. I've noticed this in my own dad's life. Because of his kind of immobility, I've watched something, and maybe some of you have seen this, and folks that you've cared for, that the word is atrophy. 
And because they can't move like they once moved, their muscles begin to wane. They begin to atrophy. The strength that they have always had begins to weaken. We're in Brother Deke's tie this morning. And I had the privilege... I had the privilege several times before he passed to receive a phone call and say, I need help getting deep from one place to the other. And Sister Irene, the one thing that amazed me is though his legs were weak, he had a lot of strength in his arm. He could still lift. He could still pull. Towards the end, maybe not as much. But see, what what I've noticed, especially in these men that have worked all of their lives, they've toiled all of their lives, they refuse to give up. I've said this about several that I know, that if they ever stop, they ever stop, and I could say this about some of you in here this morning, if you ever stop, you're on your way out. Because you've worked all your lives. And when you're not working, you're not clocked in, you're working. That's the way we as Christians ought to be. We need to constantly be building The strength, our abilities, using the gifts and the talents that we have, using these, this vigor, building our size and the degree and the power of the graces which the Holy Ghost has planted in our lives. If we consider the expectations of growth just in nature, in our children, if you look in in nature, you see flowers, you see trees, you see children, you know, and and animals, you know that, that all of these things, when you plant a seed, you don't expect it to sit there. You expect it to do what? To grow. When you go and you buy some seed, you know that when you put it in the ground within so many days, it's going to pop through the ground and in so many days, it's going to get up and it's going to start producing. We know that when a a seed of a woman is fertilized, we know that within 40 weeks or so, that child is going to be born... We know that certain gestational periods of animals are going to happen no matter what. Spiritually, though, it's not a science. Because every one of us are different. But here's the thing, Brother Kurt. You may grow quicker than I may. Brother Jody... You may go grow quicker than both of us. I may grow slower. But here's the thing. We must all continually grow. 
You may grow taller. We may grow wider. We may grow deeper. But we must continue to grow. I mentioned that quote earlier about, uh, I think it is Alexander McLaren. He says, a tree in our forest, it's this normal progress. It diverges into two main branches at a short distance upward from the root. And so, when that tree comes up, most trees, they do. They shoot straight up. But some, for whatever reason, they will split into two. Right above the ground. It's still one tree. But with two branches. And they may grow like that for many, many long years. But think about the shade that it produces. Think about maybe the fruit that it produces. Regardless of how that tree may look, it is still growing. Let's continue. I remember, we don't really have it here, but I remember at our home in Tennessee, we had a, we had a, a, a closet door and early on, we had our kids go up to it and we, we marked off their their heights and we would put the date and who it was and we kept track of that. It's still there as far as I know. They may have repainted over it, but it's still there. You could scratch through it and it's still there. Same thing as on our parents' wall from where they spent so, my parents' wall, where they spent so much time with my parents, right on the wall. Wouldn't it be wonderful, and I've given this illustration before, but wouldn't it be wonderful if we could just back up against the cross and say, Lord, how do I measure up? I know that I'll measure, never quite measure up to Christ. But how do I measure up? And Hunter, it's, it's not a question of whether we measure up with one another. It's not, well, I am, I'm, I measure more than Hunter, or Hunter measures more than me. But what should be gripping to our hearts is where we measure with Christ. And every time we go, I watch this in our kids. Six months could go by and they say, Daddy, measure me. Measure me, Daddy. I've grown. And it would, it would be maybe, as they would say, a millimeter. What is the deal with these kids and the metric system? You're weird. And I'm like, you ain't grown nothing. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 I've grown. No, you're the same. I know it's been six months, but you're in the same place. It may be six months and we go back up to the cross and we, we say, Lord, I feel like I've grown so much. Will you measure me again? And the Lord, through the Holy Ghost, says, no, you're in the same place. I watched it in my kids. They were disappointed because they thought they had grown so much. They said, I've grown an inch. But they had not grown a bit. We should be disappointed when we are measured against the cross and there's no growth. But I believe we've, we've, we've grown apathetic to our growth in Christ. And we've become accustomed to average. 
We've, we've become accustomed to just getting by. <laughs> and if anybody should never just get by, and I, I want you to understand what I say when I say this phrase, it should be the church of Jesus Christ. We should never just get by. So how do we measure up? I'm going to give you these and then I'm, I'm leaving. Some Bible evidences, if you will. Uh, three. Two of them are mentioned in the text that we read. Peter. You remember, we could say it like this. Peter backslid when he betrayed Christ. So he went from being backslidden to in just shortly after that, when Jesus asked him if he loved him, to becoming a blessing. Paul went from the Damascus Road to riding the Romans Road in pretty much almost the entire New Testament. And then John, he went from become, being the son of thunder to being a disciple of love. He's the one that wrote... Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. He's the one that wrote, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So here's three men, two fishermen, one Pharisee, but yet God changed all three and made them We'll say apostles, almost said disciples, but made them followers of Christ, made them leaders in the church, made them writers of His Word, made them men of God, made them heroes of the faith, people that we look up to. They were examples of Christian growth. Paul could have gotten saved on the Damascus Road and never wrote a single word. John could have heard, follow me and I would make you fishers of men. Peter could have heard the same thing. And they could have said, okay, I'll follow you, but don't ask me to do anything. I'll follow you, but uh, I'll follow you from a distance. You know, Peter tried that. Followed afar off. We need to grow. Specifically, in grace. Let's stand. Let's get a song of invitation this morning. What is grace? What is growth in grace? Well, it's, it's not, it's not becoming more saved, but it is getting closer to God. It is growing in God.